start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. And welcome in. Here we are. The final four is upon us. I can't believe we've made it, but we have. Uh, piecing together the highlights for the One Shining Moment video as we speak, I'm sure. <laughs> Clips, which may or may not include behind-the-scenes stuff from BetQLU over the last several months or maybe just from last weekend. Uh, inside jokes to start the show today. I'm Chris Mack. He's RJ Choppy. She's Kayla Canaram. Welcome in. You are listening live coast to coast on the BetQL network, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Download it today. Up in the upper right-hand corner, tap follow, and you'll get new episodes of BetQLU as soon as they're available to you. You can also watch us, twitch.tv slash BetQL. And of course, on YouTube, just search Odyssey Sports. And yeah, guys, the final four is set. We have arrived, and an eclectic field, I guess, is the nice way to put it. Uh, Four-seeded UConn, the favorites. Five-seed Miami Hurricanes. Five-seed San Diego State. Nine-seed FAU going to the final four. The second highest, I guess, is the best way to describe it, combination of seeds. 2011, uh, the only year where you had seed numbers that added up to a higher number than this year's and the first ever final four without a one two or three seed involved uh plus we've got the first final four since uh pre magic and bird uh without any mcdonald's all-americans so all (laughs) of this thrown together is this good for college basketball is this terrible I heard Nick Costos. We actually got into an argument on our morning show in Pittsburgh with Nick Costos yesterday of you better, you bet about whether this is a good final four or not. I contend this is a great final four. You got a couple of dogs on one side. You got a couple of quality programs on the other side, even if they aren't high seeds. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Kayla, where do you come down on this? Well, if you'll remember last week, I I said this is great for college basketball. It's a lot of fun to have a shakeup. Um, I think I'm taking that back now. It was fun while these smaller schools were making a run in the second round, the Sweet 16, getting closer to the Elite Eight. But now that we're at the Final Four, I might be changing my tune a little. Yes, last year was a little blue blood heavy. Um, This year is the total opposite. Like, is it possible to find a good in-between, like maybe a Mizzou? Take a drink. Um, (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. I am checking my stopwatch. That is a less than 90 seconds for you to get to a a gratuitous Missouri mention. Congratulations. Drinking game all season. I don't know why we didn't. I'm sure people Um, have who listen to the podcast. (laughs) And they're hammered already. (laughs) No, I will say I'm happy for these smaller schools. Every team who's been there ahead of them has had their first, but I got to a point where I realized when I realized either FAU or SDSU was going to be in the national championship, I didn't, it was like, it was no longer cute. I'm happy for these teams and these schools and these fans. They obviously earned it. They're good enough to be here. It is so weird though. But yeah, do we blame the seating, the transfer portal? It's just a weird year. Um, I mean, at this point, I think UConn's going to take it, but I don't know. It's just so strange. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm on the fence. Last, last week, I thought it was cute. This week, I don't know. I love it, RJ. You blasted TCU all football season, so I know exactly how you're going to feel about this, right? 
Oh, the horn frauds. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, look, um, there's, there's got to be a happy medium here, right? Um, I, we're going to have David versus David in one of the final fours. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd rather see David versus Goliath than both of them. I mean, is, is it, you know, last year was what? Kansas, Villanova, Carolina, Duke. That's too bluey. That's too blue bloody. You know, right. Like, you know, that's, that's it's too, too far to the other extreme, right? Yes. Yeah, and then this one's too far to the other. There's got to be a happy media. Like, you know, maybe if like uh, if you replace, uh, yeah, sure, replace San Diego State with Mizzou, <laughs> Tennessee. You know, whatever. Uh, but you know, give me a maybe a Bama, even a Bama. Just just any kind, of, you know, a higher seed. Replace one of those two teams. Then I think you got something special. Uh, I was at oh name drop. The uh, the final four where VCU and Butler were there, mm-hmm. you know, and Butler had already been to a final the previous year, and it was a much different Butler team. It was you know Gordon Hayward was gone; he went to the NBA, uh, but they were still a good team. They weren't like as good as the year before, and I saw literally the most unwatchable national championship game of my life. Like Butler went like ten minutes without scoring. It was awful. Right. Like, it was like in the forties. Nobody could score. Nobody. Uh, so do I like it? Uh, I'm not, I don't hate it. I wish there was like a little tweak. I, I, wish, I wish it was a happy medium between last year, which I think was too elitist, even though I'm an SEC elitist, and right. this year, which is too, you know, these are the, uh, the the surfs, the peasants. What is it? What's what's Chaucer? What was that Chaucer Canterbury Tales? Uh, Canterbury Tales. Like, you're like wow. this far over my head right now. It's it's not even fitting on the <laughs> screen. Was, You're so far high over my honors head. honors English. And I was not in honors English. Let me tell you, I just went to a better <laughs> high school than you did. It was regular. <laughs> that was a regular school. Regular. Um, regular. So, but, but, <laughs> but, I mean, look, as it, crazy as this sounds, UConn's the only team that didn't win their regular season conference title, right? So – and and FAU and San Diego State, for what it's worth, they won their conference tournament titles as well. You can say what you want to about the Mountain West, and I'll be honest, I don't know what conference FAU came from. Um, but that's – you do have – they are good mid-majors, in my opinion, and we want mid-majors to be involved, but it sounds like, Kayla, we just only want them involved to a certain point. Like, okay, after the Elite Eight, you can go home now. Yeah, I mean, I was literally sitting there. I'm like doing the math, and I'm like, wait, these are one of these team, two teams is going to be in the national championship. I don't like that. Um, again, I'm happy for their programs, their coaches, their students, their fans. I think it's great for those smaller schools. But as a consumer and as a fan of basketball, college basketball as a whole, I again would like a maybe a like RJ said, an, an Alabama, an SEC school, a a Big 12 school. I was really, really hoping K, uh, K-State would get there. Definitely not KU. Um, so, I don't know. It's just going to be weird. It's it's great for these smaller programs. But, yeah, like he said, it's, it's David versus David. And I want to see David versus Goliath if it's going to be a smaller school versus a bigger school. How about this? Our producer, Zach, is is this is why he's the man. Um, first of all, he reminded me that Florida Atlantic is in Conference USA. But how about yes. this? North Texas won the NIT. Charlotte won the CBI. So Conference hmm. USA is going for a postseason tournament sweep if FAU were Look able out. to pull off the impossible. Conference USA taking over the world of college basketball. Uh, preseason <laughs> odds. 
How about this? If you and there's got I, 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 we haven't seen any of these tweets, at least I haven't seen these social media posts yet. But, you know, going into the championship game, I would suppose on Monday, maybe we'll see them um, after FAU or San Diego State wins their way into the national championship game. We're going to see them from Darren Ravel or whoever it may be. Uh, people who had preseason bets on these teams to win the national championship, even if it was a $5 bet. FAU, preseason national title odds. They were, hold on, let me see, plus 250,000. Is that right? Ooh. No, really? Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So wait, San Diego. Wait. So that you would bet, be. If you bet $10. I'm trying to do the math. You would win 25000 Is that right? Am I doing the math right there? No. I'm not going to try. It's more, no. Well, tw- plus twenty five, plus two hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> would be a hundred dollar bet wins you two hundred and fifty thousand. So oh, yeah, uh, a ten dollar yeah. bet would win would win you twenty five thousand. Yes, Matt, n- RJ was not in honors English. I was not in honors math. Um, we're just barely hold- holding on by a thread here. Um, <laughs> San Diego State plus sixty six hundred. Uh, UConn was plus eight thousand. Uh, Miami also eighty to one, which is plus eight thousand. Uh, now UConn minus 125 to win the national title. They are the odds-on favorites. San Diego State, 4-1. to one. Miami plus 475. FAU plus 625. We'll give you our picks before we wrap up the show. But, I mean, just the way this has – the, the, the way the odds have, have climbed on this is a- absolutely amazing. If you had put down $10 to RJ's point, you would have $25,000 coming your way if FAU wow. – we're able to pull it off in the next couple of days. I don't know how many people are confident in that. That's why the odds still sit at 625. Um, but this is another reason, guys, why I argue that this is this is a better Final Four than the blue, chalky kind of Final Fours. Also because, look, I think the, the late game Saturday um, between Miami and UConn may be the best college basketball game we watch all season. Um, I argued with Sean Marash last weekend. He he tried arguing with me, I should say, that the UConn-Gonzaga game was the real national championship. I think UConn-Miami might actually be the most entertaining game of the year. Um, understanding that San Diego State, FAU, shouldn't be expected to be a barn burner. Um, this may be a very easy answer for both of you to come with. But which of these two games do you think is more... I shouldn't say more fun to watch because I think that's clearly the late game. But which of these two games will be more interesting to watch or maybe more interesting to bet, Kayla? Um, I mean, yeah, certainly the Miami-UConn game is going to be the one that everyone's focused on. But I think huh. the one that could be more fun is the the smaller one because no one really knows what to expect from these teams. Um, and honestly, the, the games out of the South and the East have been a lot closer than the games in the uh, – West and Midwest. So I can see that one actually being a close tight game. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And going back to the last year's when it was the blue bloods, like I think for me, when those teams are playing and one of them wins, then, you know, they are the best in college basketball. But when these smaller teams are in there, you kind of feel like, Oh, how did they get here? Maybe it was a fluke. If one of those two teams wins at all, I'm going to be like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to know what to do because I'm not going to believe that they're the best team in all of college basketball. So, I don't know. We'll see. Well, <laughs> we'll see well, what well, no, shakes out. But, I, 
That brings up a good conversation, though, that I know all of us have probably had with people at some point this week, which is, is this the best? Is this still the best way to determine a champion? We talk about it in football every year. Is a four-team playoff the best way? Is an eight-team playoff, a 12-team playoff? Look, a 68-team tournament may not be the best way to determine who the best team is, but it's the most dramatic and compelling way to arrive at a finish, and that's what we're all after, isn't it? RJ? Yeah, I mean, look, it's very rarely does the best team actually win the championship mm-hmm. that year. You know, it, it it happens, and it throws off my pH balance of life. It just really does. <laughs> um, you know, ever like in high school, high school basketball, we beat a team twice in the regular season. We wound up playing them in the conference tournament, and they beat us in the championship game. That's like, well, we beat you twice in the regular season. How can you call yourselves the champs? We're the champs. We're better than you. Beat you twice. You know, like, but they beat you when it counted, right? They all count. They all count. That's what the coaches would tell you. They all count. Uh, so, like, you know, I just started <laughs> that, that, at that moment, I realized the entire American sports system is a sham. Uh, give me the EPL, <laughs> the way they do it all day, right? Just do the regular season and let's go. Um, but it's, yeah, it very rarely to me does the, I mean, the, does the overall best team win. Um, you know, it's, it's who's hot. But isn't that why we love the NCAA tournament, Kayla? Like the, the whole idea yes. of the one shining moment video at the end and the upsets that happen throughout the tournament. Your five, everybody searches for a five twelve on the first weekend. Everybody, everybody is there for Cinderella. But yet at the same time, this comes back to the point you made to start the show. We're all here for Cinderella, but in the end, we want we want the coach to turn back into a pumpkin. I was just gonna say, yeah, the the slipper fell off. It turned midnight. Time to go back home. But no, um, it'll be cool to see what happens. I, you're, I feel like you're trying to change my mind, Chris, and maybe I'll come around. But um, is it working? A little bit. A little bit. If I make an argument for Missouri as a part of this, would that help? One hundred percent. It's it's for my money. It's still the best playoff system in America, college or pro. You know, when we when we go back and look at our favorite Super Bowl teams over the years or our favorite World Series te- champions mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, NBA champs, Stanley Cup uh, winners, it, we always end up having a little bit more affinity, I think, at least I do. Maybe I'm just a sucker for nostalgia and emotion and underdogs, but I think we always end up coming back to the, to the, the little guys that weren't expected to do it, right? You know, if, for example, amongst Steeler fans, which I, I'm one, we celebrate that 2005 Bill Cowher-led team with Jerome Bettis that had to win their last four regular season games and go on the road for all three playoff games uh, to go to the Super Bowl and win. I, I know when people look at, for example, a Stanley Cup champ, they love to see a team that's had to go on the road and battle and scratch and fight and claw and was, wasn't expected to be there at the end. You could say the same about any playoff tournament, I guess, in sports. We love to see the underdogs get there but maybe we do have to question just how much we want to see them actually win. Let's talk about the construction of some of these teams because as we talk about a lot on BetQLU, the landscape is shifting, not just in college football, but college basketball as well. One team in the Final Four, a really good example of that. And are we comfortable with this trend or is it something that we need to knock it off immediately going forward? And before we wrap up, we get you our best bets for Saturday night's final four games as well. It's all on the way alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram. I'm Chris Mack, and this is BetQLU.
This is BetQL U with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Back to BetQL U with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Somebody's brand new at their job and already really good at holding on to something. We'll get into that in a couple of minutes. We also have to get you our best bets for Saturday's Final Four games. Welcome back into BetQLU alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram. I'm Chris Mack. You can watch the show on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL. And of course, you know, if you're listening to it in your Odyssey app, just tap the follow button up there in the upper right-hand corner and you will get new episodes uh, sent to you, or you'll be notified, I should say, of new episodes as soon as they are ready, as we get ready for FAU against San Diego State, the early game of the Final Four on Saturday. Tip, uh, just after 6 o'clock or so, uh, 6.09 p.m. Eastern exactly, 3.09 Pacific, Miami-UConn, 8.49 Eastern, or shortly thereafter, the the wrap-up of FAU and San Diego State. Let's talk about those two smaller schools. Let's talk in particular about FAU. And we talked about the odds uh, and how long they were to start the season. Plus 250000 so a $10 bet would be winning you $25,000 if they win the national title on Monday night. Um, and those have slowly shortened, obviously, throughout the season. Uh, but more impressively, or more interestingly, maybe, with FAU, is that their head coach, Dusty May, says, yeah, our guys are being recruited already. He was asked about it last week after their run through the Elite Eight, winning the regional final, uh, beating Tennessee and Kansas State in the East region. And he was asked if he was concerned about players being poached after the season. And he said, well, forget after the season. They're being recruited right now. Quote, our job as coaches is to do the best job we can every single minute of every single day to provide the environment that they think is the best thing for them long term. Not today, not in a week, not in a month, but long term. I'm not accusing any coaches, May said. It's usually a third party, those middlemen that have incentives to get kids in the portal and help them find another spot. And then with the new rules, who know what knows what happens after that? We bounced this around a little bit, guys, in our text chain this week. And I think we all agree, or maybe we don't. Let's let's kick it around here. Um, do we all agree that NIL and the transfer portal as currently constructed are a good thing for college sports and college basketball specifically, RJ? Oh, I think the transfer portal and the NIL is a good thing for the sport. Um, I, I think it could be tweaked. Um, I think there's changes and in, 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 um, you know, I don't say regulations, but some kind of mm-hmm. some kind of structure put onto it that would be better. But it's definitely good. I mean, look, if 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 Grant McCaslin at UNT can win the NIT and then before he even boards the plane, strike a deal with Texas Tech. Why can't a player leave? Like, right. you know, like coaches, you, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Why are players bound by these contracts that coaches aren't? Um, and then, you know, you know, this is, you, you should be able to earn something. And, and I mean, obviously I don't want to get into the whole, you know, you're getting a scholarship. I mean, you know, you, you should be able to, I don't think the school should pay them. 
directly. But if an outside company, if an auto dealership wants to throw a Camaro at somebody, let them. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. John Wooden, you know, used to say the three uh, – John Wooden didn't say it. Bill Walton said the three C's of Wooden recruiting was cash, cars, and condos. Like, that was the, that was it. <laughs> like, that's how, that's how he built a dynasty. Didn't hurt that he played St. Bonaventure or New Mexico State at Jacksonville in a championship game. But uh, that's, I'm okay with it. I have no problem with the transfer portal. I have no problem with the NIL. I just think it needs to be tweaked. So, so I guess the, our, our issue here, and, and Kayla, look, we lamented it somewhat during the football season that, you know, for example, again, we'll bring up Missouri because I feel like we've gone three and a half <laughs> minutes without doing so. Uh, but, you know, some of Missouri's best players recruited by Georgia, bang, they're gone, or, or Alabama. They, they, they're within the conference, you know? It, for Missouri, it's Ooh. a great thing to be a part of the SEC, but then all of a sudden their players get poached by the big boys of the SEC uh, as they succeed. Some of them end up staying, but some of them end up going. And so, you know, we did lament it somewhat, but this is a good thing for the players, to RJ's point. If coaches can up and leave on a whim, um, then we should probably give players the same latitude. But I don't know how we start to regulate something that feels, for lack of a better way to put it, I'm going to make up a word here, unregulatable. Yeah, I've said this from the beginning. I think you are going down a slippery slope with NIL and transfer portal. Um, I, I think I have a less of an issue with transferring unless it's in conference. Uh, maybe we should regulate that. Um, but I just think college kids getting this much money and just going places based on what they're going to get in return. I think we're just creating monsters and it's just going to snowball. And I know I sound like an old person right now, but I just think it's, I don't think we're going in the right direction. To RJ's point, I think there needs to be a lot of things that are regulated when it comes to both NIL and Transfer Portal. I, I'm i not liking it right now because of what you just said about Missouri players being poached. And I definitely think the season needs to be done before players are talked to, even coaches. But coaches do it all the time. So exactly. If, if coaches aren't going to do it, why should players? So I don't know. I think I have mixed, I have mixed feelings on both. There just it's needs to be such- more rules in place. Yeah, it's so nebulous, though. Like, what do you consider, for example, tampering? You know, with a player who isn't in the portal yet, especially, you know, um, in my backyard in particular here, we saw this last year with Jordan Addison, who was not in the portal, but ended up at USC after a Bolitnikoff award-winning season as Kenny Pickett's number one target with Pitt. And wasn't in the portal, wasn't in the portal, wasn't in the portal. Bang, rumors that he's going to USC, and he ends up in the portal and he's gone. Um, that seems like something that is very difficult to track. Who was the first person to contact Jordan Addison? How, you know, what did they promise him? All of these things require um, some sort of, I mean, you've got to have a degree in criminology, RJ, to get to the bottom of this. And that's why I always wonder, like, how are we going to corral this? You know, the the COVID year of eligibility, I think, has made it even more difficult. And I think over the next couple of years, as we work our way through that, that will be less of an issue. You won't have guys playing for six years. Um, but you are going to have still this this impossible thing to regulate. And again, we all agree that it's good for players to control where they're going and who they're playing for the same way that coaches get to control that. But controlling how those players get pushed in those directions, I think, is the bigger question. 
Yeah, look, I, I don't know what the right answer. I think the only way to control it, or at least even corral it, is to make the penalty so severe to everyone involved that nobody even dares go there. Like, yeah. uh, th- th- that's it. Like, there's, there's, there's really no other way. You've got to make it so severe on the coach of the team who's benefiting that that coach would be like, there's no way anyone is going to do any try any of that stuff in my program. That's it, or program, as they would say in Tennessee. Program. Like, that's it. Program. You. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> you, so let's just say, um, you know, let's just say. So it's, they're both. Let's just say Miami is trying to poach an FAU player. Like you would have to make the penalty so severe, like, and I mean, like, the head coach of that pro, so Larinaga would be banned. From coaching, like you have to make it so severe that they never do it again. The, the, I'm right. In my backyard is SMU. They have not recovered from the death penalty. They right. have not recovered. You've got to make that punishment so severe that no one will do it ever. The question then becomes: How? What do you consider, and how do you prove tampering? And is tampering? Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, and nobody wants to be that because, let's be honest, they're all doing it um, to some mm-hmm. extent and some level. Because yeah. let, let's be honest, the FAUs and San Diego States of the world, they may have their eye on some guys as well, whether it's a small school guy, whether it's a, a major conference guy who's not getting the playing time that maybe he feels like he deserves in his program. Um, you know, there there are guys all over littering the college football and basketball landscape who can be pulled away from their current program. And the question is, how is it being done? If it's one player to another on the court or on the field who says, Hey man, I can't believe they're not using you more. They're not playing you right. Like maybe you should, maybe I, we go back. We're, you know, we went to all the same seven on seven camps. Maybe you should come here and play with me. We, I know my coach should know how to use you. He said, I mean, is that tampering? Just two players having a conversation during warm-ups or after a game while they exchange jerseys, maybe. I don't know. But it's that's why I feel like it's completely nebulous and it's so hard to get your arms around. The one thing it has led to, and I do appreciate this, uh, Zach mentioned this in the, in the chat as well, you are getting players, Armando Baycott's a good example of this, who are coming back because NIL can pay them enough to make it worth mm-hmm. their while to come back. And so you're getting decent players staying in school longer. I think in Baycott's case, it might have as much to do with the disappointing year that the heels had. And he wants to come back and prove something as well. So good on him. But you know, that is, that is something that we could see down the line as well as, you know, there maybe one and done or forget one and done going straight from high school to the pros is not as good an option as going to college and getting paid for a few years, RJ. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, you know, if if you can if you can make college so enticing money wise that maybe they just because I, I really do think that going to college is, is is good for a lot of these players. There's a player for the Mavericks, Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy went to the G League uh, out of high school. He was the second. He was the number two recruit. I think he was right behind Chet Holmgren. He was the number two recruit out of high school on the ESPN Top 100. He was picked in the second round. That never happens. You never see the number two overall recruit falling out of the first round. Mm-hmm. They almost always go to one year of college, go play for Calipari or whatever, and then become a top 10 pick. 
But he was so, I mean, he went to the G League night. I mean, who knows how you play there, what kind of competition you're playing. And <laughs> you get, and he was in the second round. I, I think it's huge for these players to get some cash, go to school, uh, or go to, you know, go to, um, you know, go play in Australia if you want to. You go go to the bar ball route. That's what he's saying. Go to Australia and play. But I think it's better than just, you know, jump into the to the NBA or, or jump into the G League. The other part of this, too, is that you have coaches who have been forced to recruit in an entirely new way. We saw our guy Kim English, right? Um, Kayla, he pulls off this week what I thought was the social media recruit, recruitment coup of the year as he decided to – I mean, what – if I got a guy who wants to go in the portal, he shows up at Providence, Kim English, new gig, and he finds out freshman Jaden Pierre, he might be interested in going in the portal, seeing what else is out there. New coach, doesn't know him that well. He challenges him, Kim English, to a game of one-on-one, quote, for the portal, and then beats him, forcing him, not forcing him, but, you know, if <laughs> saying essentially well we played the game you got to stay now and then goes on social media goes on ig live as they're walking off the court to to talk to this kid about it as they're walking off the court this was and he's he's kept a couple other players gotten some some commitments some recommitments i guess as well over the past week kim english has to providence this is this is the new age of recruiting this is what we we're going to see from guys more and more maybe not playing one-on-one kayla but you know finding new ways to keep guys around. I'm just glad Jaden didn't say double or nothing. That's a love and <laughs> basketball reference for you guys who have probably never watched one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, I loved this playing Jaden Pierre for the portal is an all-time recruiting move. I told you all he's good at recruiting and look at that. He recruited a player away from transferring. Um, this was awesome. It's why I think he'll be a great coach at Providence, why players will love him. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, maybe this will be a trend now. Maybe we'll see more, coaches playing their players to stay um but yeah I love that people are wanting to stay for for Kim English I've said how much I love him former Mizzou guy um but yeah this is awesome to see I just as much as people are transferring I like seeing that other players are gonna stay at their schools and and give it a shot you know for a team like San Diego State which has a bunch of older guys Matt Bradley Nathan Mensa, Adam Seiko uh, Arop, uh, Jaden Letty, all 23 or older, RJ, um, who are contributing as fifth year seniors. This is how you either bring guys in like that from other programs or keep your guys around. Uh, you, you find a new way to recruit. Maybe it's not like Kayla said, it's not playing one-on-one against them, but it's finding a new way to engage with them and keep them in the program. I, I agree. I mean, you know, just look at my, t- how did Tennessee beat Duke? We had 24 year olds. They were 18. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. a there's a massive there's a massive difference uh, in a a grown man at, at 24 versus an 18 year old who I mean kids develop at different stages I mean you, you could be 18 years old and just be like two years out of puberty man like that's <laughs> it, it's great you know what I mean it's like you, you don't know about development and and the one thing I, I love that they can you know get that extra year I love that you're having older kids in there and. You know, you could really build a program uh, if you want to. I, I, I hate, I feel for coaches, though. I feel bad that you have to recruit your own players to stay. I hate it's that. a lot. 
It's a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year job now, no doubt. Recruiting is constant to the point where some of these programs I know are, at least football programs, already hiring GM-type roles uh, to help them manage all of the personnel. Who do we like to win Saturday in the Final Four? And what about Monday night in the National Championship game as well? We give you some of the trends for the Final Four and what to expect in these two games, David versus David and... Well, Miami against UConn. That all on the way next <laughs> alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram. I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla. Here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. And here we are, the last segment of the last show before the Final Four. We will come back next week, obviously, to give you the final edition of BetQLU for the hoop season. We'll wrap up the national championship game, and uh, I guess look ahead to next year, look ahead to both football and basketball uh, and their coming seasons. But today we wrap things up live coast to coast on the BetQL network and on your Odyssey app. Watch us twitch.tv slash BetQL or, or search Odyssey sports on YouTube. Uh, we wrap things up by looking at these two final four semifinal games and then the national championship on Monday as well. Some trends to keep in mind that we'll lay out for you before we give you our angles on these two games. From a trends perspective, final four favorites since 2005, according to Action Labs, have gone 18-15-1 and against the spread. That's only 54.5%. A good number if you're betting games, but probably not if you're a favorite looking to cover. Uh, Although teams laying six or fewer, as is the case in both games on Saturday, have actually fared a bit better, covering 15-9-1 against the spread. So about 62.5%. This, again, going back to 2005, so the last 17 Final Fours or so. Again, I mentioned it at the top of the show, guys. This is the second highest total collective seeds uh, sum in history since we started seeding teams back in 1980, trailing only the 2011 Final Four. Uh, which also had two mid-majors and took place, coincidentally enough, in Houston and had UConn winning it all against a mid-major, eight-seeded Butler Bulldogs. So all of that being said, I'll throw one more at you. Totals, uh, overs have slightly edged unders at the Final Four since 2005 as well. A 53% clip with closing totals of 130 or greater cashing at 62% clip. So... Let's dive into the first game. David versus David. We called it earlier. Tip about 10 after 6 Eastern. 
Saturday, number nine seeded Florida Atlantic against a five seed San Diego State. Uh, the Aztecs laying just a point and a half on the line. Total sits pretty low, as to be expected with these two teams, 131 and a half. RJ, I'll let you lead this dance with the first of these two final four games. What do you think? You know, I do think this game is going to hit the under. I think it's going to be a really, really close game. But I, I do think this – I'm sorry, the over. I think the over plays uh, in this one. I took the over at 131 and a half. Uh, I think this game is probably played somewhere around 134, 135 as the total. Um, both teams in the high 60s, maybe low 70s. Uh, so, yeah, give me the over 131. You know, I don't have a great feel that on the actual number of this. Um, it uh, I, FAU has, has completely thrown me for a loop. Um, I know San Diego State's got, got you know, got the uh, – they got a good amount of age, which is going to help them out. I think it helps out all teams uh, this time of year. Um, but FAU has done a master class in offensive rebounding so far in this tournament. Uh, for them to out-rebound – uh, you know, my, my, my Tennessee team, the way they did on the offensive glass, I was stunned. We got a lot of big guys, got a lot of athletic guys, completely dominated Duke, and, and they were just everywhere. This team plays with a tenacity that's just hard to match. Uh, but then again, they're not as talented as San Diego State. Like San Diego State's a really, really good team. Uh, so I'll just take the over. I'll stay away from the number. Okay. Kayla, what's your read on this one, FAU and San Diego State? Well, do I root for the little engine that could, which I guess you could argue is either of these teams, or oh, do I go with yeah. my head? Um, at this point, we might as well see the Owls go to the ship, but I actually think it's going to be San Diego State that will come out of this one. Um, also, did we know their mascot's name is Owlsley, the Owl? Because I kind of love that. No, but I like Neither that. Here Sounds nor like there. a Sesame Street character. <laughs> Whoa. Despite Who's the fact that I love to this win, story. Kayla? Who? <laughs> How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Wow. Okay. Um, despite the fact that I love the story from both of these teams, um, I'm a big fan of Dusty May. Despite all of that, I am leaning the Aztecs to cover in this one at minus one and a half. Uh, but my spread picks were awful this tournament, so maybe don't listen to me. I do. Uh, but San Diego State is eight and two against the spread in their last 10. I think, I mean, RJ just, pointed out all those things about FAU. I think that San Diego State wins in pressure and three-point shooting allowed. They're going to both be fighting for time of possession because San Diego State does a great job as it relates to defensive rebound rate and turnover creation. So riding with the Aztecs, but really don't have a dog in the fight. For the sake of making a pick, I'm going to go San Diego State minus five, uh, one and a half, sorry. Okay. Um, I have looked at, when there are teams, and look, I, I paid attention to both of these teams through the tournament, but I'll be honest, pre-tournament, I wasn't watching a lot of Mountain West and Conference UA basketball. Sorry, <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. Uh, and when there, are two, when there are two teams that I don't know enough about, um, there are certain things I'll lean on, and some of them include some of the stuff. And this is not just a free pop for our friends at BetQL, uh, but this is true. This is something that I pay attention to when I don't know as much about the teams. And when I look at line movement, I see the line slowly growing in this one from one and a half in some spots to in other places, as high as two and a half or three on Thursday night into Friday morning. Uh, when I look at the total, I see that slowly coming down uh, at one point early in the week, 132 and a half uh, right at the open, actually. It came down pretty quickly to 131 and a half. People have tried to bet it up. It won't bet up. It keeps coming down. So 
I see this being a low-scoring game like RJ. And much like Kayla, I see San Diego State coming out with the cover here as long as it doesn't get to more than three. One and a half, two, two and a half. I like San Diego State if it gets to be more than three because I do think this is going to be a tight back and forth rock fight that ends on one of the final couple possessions. I like San Diego State to cover as long as it's not more than three on the line. And I do like it to finish somewhere under 131, 131 and a half. So that gets us San Diego State into the national championship game, who right now are four to one to win the tournament at BetMGM. Florida Atlantic again, plus 625. Let's flip to the other side and the late game. Fifth-seeded Miami Hurricanes, Jim Laranega knows what it's all about to take a team who's unexpectedly in the Final Four to the Final Four. Fourth-seeded UConn Huskies. After some downtime, they found their way out of the wilderness here with Danny Hurley at the helm. They are favored by five and a half. Total sits pretty high in this one, but I don't, I'll give you my opinion on where exactly it is at 149 in a moment. Kayla, I'll let you start us with this one. Miami and UConn tip right around 8.50 p.m. Eastern Saturday. I said it earlier in the show. I'm riding with the Huskies in this one. I think they'll go on to win it all as well. But I can't tell if it's going to be by a significant amount or if it's going to be, if they're going to make us sweat it out. I think I, yeah, I mentioned it earlier. It feels like the games out of the Midwest and West haven't been as close as the ones we've seen out of the East and the South. UConn is 7-1 and against the spread in their last eight. But then again, you could argue the Hurricanes are also 4-0 against the spread in their last four. I actually do think Miami will cover. I'm going to go with a close game. I would love to see a close game selfishly. Um, because let's be honest, UConn-Gonzaga did not live up to the hype. Um, so I am going to go Miami to cover, but UConn to win. All right, Miami to cover, but UConn to win. So a tight ball game within two possessions, RJ. What do you got for the Hurricanes and the Huskies? Well, I had Miami covering this one uh, based on the karma that was going to hit UConn for not traveling Jonathan the Husky, the mascot, to the game because they couldn't (laughs) fit it on the airplane. By the way, they're taking the New England Patriots team plane. They fit 53 NFL football players, coaches, staff, media on that plane. Yet a basketball team didn't couldn't find room for like a fifty pound husky. I'm calling BS on that name one. Name is Jonathan. They, Jonathan the husky. I didn't name him. I didn't yeah, name him. Yeah, that's the better he's got a question. Twitter account, though he's really good. He's a really good follow. I, I, I recommend it. Okay. Um, but uh, cooler heads prevailed, and he is going to be in attendance. I don't know how they got him there. Don't know what happened. Maybe maybe Amazon. I have no idea. But he'll be there. <laughs> which means UConn by a milli. I think UConn covers this thing. I mean, they listen, Miami's played great. Let's not forget. They they had an FAU kind of end to that Texas game. They were getting, as Emmett Smith would say, blowed out in that game. They were getting beat pretty bad. Um, So, like, that, 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 and Texas is not as good as UConn. Even though Texas is pretty good, they're not as good as UConn. UConn's dominating everybody. I mean, they beat, the breaks off of a good Gonzaga team. Drew Timmy's like 30. I think he's got more eligibility left too. And they beat the crap out of them. So give me UConn to cover against Miami, the five and a half. All right. So you're both on UConn to come out alive, even though Kayla's got Miami covering. 
I hate to be boring, friends, but I'm with you. I think UConn pulls this out and heads to the national championship game on Monday night. Again, I've watched a lot more of these two teams, especially Miami being an ACC team uh, and having an ACC team in my backyard than I have of FAU and San Diego State. The Hurricanes can light up the scoreboard. If they get hot shooting, look out. And I think they may have windows during this game, time frames where they do get hot. And if they get hot, look out. It's going to be back and forth. I think what will happen here, though, is that it will be tight. It will be exactly as you expect, Kayla, to be within the spread. But I think late, this thing gets a little sideways. UConn hits a big shot or two. And you end up with Miami doing that thing where we foul to stop the clock, foul to stop the clock, foul to stop the clock. Huskies make shots. Huskies make shots. And we end up getting what would be kind of like a backdoor cover. Um, So I'm going to take UConn to cover. I've seen the spread come up just a little bit in the last couple of days towards the end of the week. I've seen the total fluctuate up and down. So I don't think I'm going to play the total, even though I think I want to say it's a gimme that this thing goes over 150. Um, I'm tempted to take the over and UConn to cover. Oh, hell with it. Let's do it. UConn and the total to go over. Give it to me. And I think we'll have UConn San Diego State on Monday night. Again, with that being said, um, if we've got to, we can't really assign a line, but if we've got to pick one, UConn or San Diego State on Monday night, UConn, again, minus 125, San Diego State 4-1 to one right now. If that's the matchup on Monday night, do we get a good game on Monday night, Kayla? I think so. I, I mean, I hope so. I just hope the championship is good, no matter what the outcome is out of the Final Four. You can't put a number on experience. UConn's been there many times. This will be their fifth championship they're going for. They're 4-0 in their previous championship, so I like those odds. RJ, UConn-San Diego State, a quality matchup for you on Monday night, if that's what we get? It's, it, I think it's good. I think it's the best of the bunch because uh, you get a really, really good team in there uh, in UConn, a great team. And San Diego State's been really good all year. I think the only team more underrated, under in the tournament this year than San Diego State is UConn. Uh, I, you know, UConn should have been higher, more highly seeded, and I think that San Diego State should have been as well. I still think, though, we'd be be approaching double digits when it's all said and done, UConn and San Diego State. Just UConn is just too good, man. They're too good right now. We'll break it all down for you next weekend, regardless of who the two teams are that meet on Monday night. Alongside RJ Choppy and Kayla Canaram, I'm Chris Mack. This has been BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla. Here on the BetQL Network, presented by (laughs) BetMGM.